Old School Lane Casual Chats is brought to you by OldSchoolLane.blogspot.com and is associated with Channel Frederator, Manic Expression, The Comic Book Cast, and The Araminta Show. Welcome to a new episode of Casual Chats. I am Patricia, and I am here with Remington Keys from the Nerd Talk podcast. Welcome back, Remington. Uh, glad to be back. Thank you for having me. So, yeah, it's been a while since we uh, we, we were discussing about Rocco's Water Life Static Cling and Invaders and Enter the Florpus, and we said that we were going to be talking about Dora and the Lost City of Gold, and... You know, long story short, I didn't have the time to watch it in theaters. It, you know, one thing led to another. And then finally, as of last night, I finally watched it. And now we can talk about it. So, yes, Door the Explorer, the 2019 live action movie based off of the 2000 Nick Jr. animated show. The one that, yes, the one that lasted the longest. It's In fact, it's still airing today, if you can believe it. I know. They still got new episodes coming out this year. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's funny, like, out of all the Nick Jr. shows, Dora the Explorer is the one that caught on the the most. It's like the SpongeBob of Nick Jr. That, well, yeah, that and Blue's Clues, you know? I mean, for a while, yes, I guess you could argue that Blue's Clues was like, I mean, the SpongeBob of its time, even though that SpongeBob wasn't out when, um, you know, Blue's Clues, yeah, SpongeBob wasn't out when Blue's Clues was at its, like, hype. Because SpongeBob came out in 99 and Blue's Clues came out in 96. So, um, yeah, so I guess you could say that. But, yeah, but Door the Explorer was the one that lasted the longest. It was the one that had the most merchandise. It was the one that, um, you know, had the spinoff series of Go Diego Go. And it's the one that's still running. Yeah, it's one of those uh, money-making machines. It just prints money. Yeah, I, I I seriously have no idea why, because I don't like Dora the Explorer. I mean, to be fair, I was like in high school when Dora the Explorer was out. And when mm-hmm. I saw it compared to like all the other Nick Jr. shows that they had at the time. I mean, this is like somebody like me who grew up with like Eureka's Castle and David the Gnome for a Nick Jr. show. But seriously, like out of all of the, 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 the Nick Jr. shows that they had at the time, Dora the Explorer which like constantly speaks to you saying like, oh, do you know what this is? Can you show us the way here? It's just so condescending and just like, you know, so in your face. It's like, that's the one that has lasted the longest. Well, I think it lasted so long because it's a harmless show, you know, it's, it's pretty harmless. And, you know, you, you could make an argument that the kids are learning something, you know, you're learning Spanish, you know, it's, there's, there's some preschool shows that really talk down to you, you know? Yeah, true. And then they try to catch lightning in a bottle twice with Ni Hao Kai Lin. Yeah. It's like, it's Dora the Explorer, but instead it's in China. Exactly. That was yeah, the true so, off. 
<laughs> yeah. So so now because of the popularity of the Nick Jr.'s show, now we finally have a you know going into the Disney route of doing live action versions of you know animated shows. So we have. Dora the Lost City of Gold, which just came out a few months ago. And I just have to say that out of when I first read the concept of Dora the of Dora and the Lost City of Gold, I thought this was like the stupidest thing I've ever read. Like, really, Dora as a high school student, and she's dealing with bullies and guys and dances. It's like, wait a minute. This is about the little girl who goes around and points stuff out and teaches kids to speak Spanish, and they're going to go pull off a Mean Girls or Clueless? Like, what? Yeah, I thought like, the concept was going to be ridiculous, too. And even even after watching some of the trailers, I mean, I've been following this movie for years since they first announced it. Like, they've, they've had this in production for at least 10 years. One of the original directors was supposed to be Michael Bay, you know? Oh, God. And, like... I remember, I remember. And it just... It just hasn't get, gotten off the ground until now, you know? And it's... I th- I think th- I think this concept is better than the original concept that they had where they were trying to do, like, a... Like, a Laura Croft Tomb Raider was, was, the, was the original idea for this. Yeah, because the Tomb Raider reboot was coming around the same time. Yeah. So I'm 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 glad we'll we'll get into the movie, but I'm glad they went this route that they did. Yeah. With it. Yeah. So yeah, basically the people. So yeah, Michael Bay was no longer involved with the Dora movie, and instead we have the people who were involved in the 2011 Muppets movie and Muppets Most Wanted, which is the movie that came out in 2014. So they knew exactly about like breaking the fourth wall and saying a whole bunch of humorous jokes left and right. But yeah, I think that the the concept of like, you know, trying to cash in on Tomb Raider, but I think there was another movie that they were trying to cash in on. The Jumanji remake. Oh yeah, definitely. I can definitely feel sprinkles of that in this. Yeah, I mean, think about it. You have four characters traveling around in a jungle and they're trying to search for something. In the case of Jumanji, you know, they're trying to search, you know, they're trying to find their, they're trying to beat the game so that they can be able to go back into the real world. And in Dora and the Lost City of Gold's case, they're trying to find the treasure of Pada Pada. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, um, as always, massive spoilers ahead. If you have not seen Dora and the Lost City of Gold, you can catch it on DVD, on demand. Um, you can check it out on one of the streaming service for a few dollars. So, yeah, let's get into it. So the movie begins uh, just like, you know, a, an episode of Dora the Explorer. You have Dora and her little cousin Diego. They're, they're, going out, they're going out exploring in the jungle. And in reality, it's just make-believe. And we have, um, you know, Dora's parents calling her in saying it's time for dinner. And then it's like constantly breaking the fourth wall where she says all the stuff that you wouldn't expect her to say in the TV show, like, mmm, delicioso. And the parents are just looking at her, it's like, what's going on? And then the the dad says, oh, don't worry, she'll grow out of it, which she doesn't. Dora acts just like she does in the show. She's very optimistic. She's a bit naive. She's very pure hearted. And everybody else is just like, you know, thinking that she's a little bit weird, but they they argued, oh, you know, she's a six-year-old. She'll she'll grow out of it. And then we first get introduced to the main part of the story, which is that 
Dora's parents are explorers, and they are looking for a lost city in Peru called Parapara, which is supposed to have a lot of gold. And mm-hmm. while that's going on, um, Diego is moving to the city with his family. And so he and Dora decide that they were going to be best friends forever, and then they break a candy bar in half and give it to each other. And... Uh, then we see, you know, 10 years later when Dora is about 16 years old and, you know, she's, you know, going around carrying a GoPro and she's recording herself saying like, hey, you know, I'm going to interact with this uh, stampede of elephants. And, you know, then she, you know, continues on talking like if she did in the show and she even yeah. has her monkey boots, which um, doesn't talk in this version. He kind of does, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. I mean, he kind of he kind of knows what she's what she's saying. They try to they try to make the best of both worlds, you know. Yeah, which is very interesting to be to be sure because you see when it comes to like a lot of adaptations based off of a TV show or uh, a cartoon or a video game or what have you, they tend to stray far far away from the original source material. Like if you were to watch like any you know like the video game adaptations from the 90s, like Ooh. Super Mario Brothers or Double Dragon, like they have absolutely nothing to do with the original story. Like Super Mario Brothers, you know, you have two Italian plumbers from Brooklyn and there's this like dinosaur dystopia. With Double Dragon, it takes place in a, you know, in a grungy city. And yeah, I mean, like, there's like nothing to do with each other in that case i mean like i think in even in more recent movies uh like prince of persia or warcraft or rampage where they try to implement more closer to the original video game but they just haven't gotten the spark yet there's other kid adaptations too that in the cartoon the the animals would talk but when you get to the live action movie they would just not talk anymore and i'm trying to think what kid adaptations they've done it before, but I know they've, I know I've seen it before. Hmm. I'm actually curious in the, the Kim possible live action, uh, movie from Disney channel. Did Rufus talk or did he not? I don't, I don't remember him talking, but he might've, I don't remember. Hmm. I don't think so. I think he just kind of murmured, you know? All right. And let's see, if I can recall, um, let's see, I mean, even with like Dragon Ball Evolution, where they they got the, some of the bare bone basics of the, of the series, but they strayed very far away from it. Like the original Dragon Ball has Goku as a little kid, and you have the adventures of him collecting the Dragon Balls and, you know, stopping various villains from Emperor Pilaf or... Oh yeah, that that, that movie strays far from the source material. Oh, that yeah. was just, that movie's a mess. <laughs> yeah, that that movie is a massive mess. Yeah, and uh, you know, let us not forget about the horror that is the last Airbender. Oh, I, I know. know. Anyway, but let's get back to Dora. So with Dora, it, 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 it's kind of like an interesting balance between like. Okay, this is about a girl who goes around in the jungle and points things out, and then you have the part of the story where it's about her 
fitting in by going over to school. So when, okay, so Dora's parents found the location of Parapara. And this is when they said that they're going to take a few weeks to go search for it while they send Dora over to school. And the reason why is because they want her to fit in with a bunch of kids her age and they want her to interact with people. Kind of have a normal life kind of thing. Yeah, which actually kind of reminds me a little bit of the Wild Thornberries movie. You remember that yeah. scene in which when Nigel approached Eliza saying, hey, we're going to take you over to this boarding school because yeah. we want you to interact with friends and you can't be with Darwin all the time. And then they went over to the boarding school and that scene is pretty much pointless because it didn't do anything other than sidetrack Eliza where the main goal was actually to get to the jungle in the first place. I think that Dora the Lost City of Gold does it much better, actually, because it actually has a point. I definitely agree on that. There's a lot of similarities with the Wild Thornberry movie with this movie, and I also thought a lot of similarities with the Jungle movie for Hey Arnold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And not to mention the Legends of the Hidden Temple movie as well, even though that that does play off a little bit differently, where the Legends of the Hidden Temple movie um, does have the actual temple in the theme park, and they actually do make the same kind of jokes where they make fun of, oh, you know, it it takes forever to put the Shrine of the Silver Monkey together. (laughs) But... Um, but what I thought, what I really liked about the Legends of the Hidden Temple w- movie was that it was able to call back on so many references. Like you got to see, you know, purple monkeys and orange iguanas and silver snakes, and you got oh, to I, see I, the I love, other obstacles. I love the Legends of the Hidden Temple movie. I think that made my top ten of that year when that, when it came out for movies. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was really good, and I'm I'm looking forward to the 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 remake that's coming out on Cubi. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Anyway, so going into um, Dora. So Dora flies from the jungle all the way towards Los Angeles, and she meets up with her cousin Diego, who's completely different. You know, because he's been in the city for 10 years, he's forgotten his jungle instincts, and he is uh, a lot more restrained. He completely um, is offset with the fact that Dora has acted the same when she was six years old while he's a lot more mature and her aunt and uncle are just like wondering is like, Oh man, you know, um, you know, she's very happy and optimistic and you know, it's like, what do we do with her? And then there's her abuela who is a character from Dora the Explorer. Who's, uh, you know, who, you know, loves her and gives her nice and support. And, um, then, you know, she tries to connect with Diego for the first time in 10 years, and he actually has no interest in it whatsoever. He talked about, like, the candy bar that they saved when they were little. She still had it, but he probably ate it, like, a long time ago. And, mm-hmm. you know, she, you know, he showed her to her guest room, and then he just kind of left. And he was talking about, like, you know, don't talk to me in front of the kids because, uh, you know, I have a reputation to keep. And, um, yeah, I thought, I thought the scene where she, uh, is being scanned to go into school and the metal detectors, um, caught her, you know, with all of her stuff in her backpack. She does sing the backpack song, by the way, if you're wondering, she does. And then she pulls off a whole bunch of things like a flare and flashlights, walkie talkies and all that stuff. And then the, (laughs) and then the guy was like, you can't carry any of that stuff in your school. (laughs) yeah i just thought that that was actually pretty funny the fact that you know she's she i mean the fact that she had never been to a public school before let alone in the city 
And yeah. she's just carrying these things like if she was in the jungle. I mean, I guess you could say she's in the urban jungle. So she thought that she needed those things for some reason, like a flare or walkie-talkies or, um, you know, a, a tent so she can sleep outside and, um, you know, food supplies. But, well, no, but she, it's, she, it's kind of realistic in a way, too, because if you're coming from outside the jungle, you know, sometimes you live you live like I'm I'm from the country. Sometimes I might have a pocket knife in my pants and not even realize I have all this stuff in my pants. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I get what I get what you're saying. So, like, if you were going outdoors, for example, you might th- need a pocket knife. You might need um, a compass. You might need, um, uh, you know, maybe like a flint, so you could be able to get uh, get a fire started. So, yeah, it does make a lot of sense for somebody who lives in the countryside that they need to get these things just in case if they need it. But yeah. for somebody in the city, somebody's been just ignorant to the, to the fact that of bringing it to school, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, in Los Angeles, they think that what she's carrying around are weapons, which is why yeah. they even have the metal detector thing in the first place. So, yeah, because that she had so much stuff in her backpack, it caused every single student to get late for class. And Diego is just walking her around and showing her, uh, you know, the, the school and what it looks like. And then we get introduced to a few of the characters in this uh, movie. So the first character we're introduced to is uh, a, a popular girl named Sammy who is selling cupcakes saying like, oh, um, you know, selling cupcakes for the rainforest. And then she said, oh, you know, which rainforest is in danger? Is it this one, this one, this one, this one? And then she's like shocked because apparently she has like, she has the reputation for being the smartest girl in the whole school. And she's like class president and all that stuff. And so she's kind of jealous of Dora with her intelligence because her parents taught her everything that she knew and because they're explorers and professors and all that stuff. And so... She kind of has a vendetta against Dora because of that. It kind of reminds me of the the Jimmy Neutron movie in which Zin, uh, Cindy Vortex was the smartest girl in her school until Jimmy came along and became this genius. So there was kind of like a bit of a jealousy there. Yeah, I definitely got that vibe too. Yeah. And uh, the next character we're introduced to is uh, a boy by the name of... Um, what was his name? Uh, Randy, yeah. So we have Randy in the movie, and he's supposed to be like the nerd, the geeky kid who is into astronomy and, you know, who can hold his breath for seven minutes because, uh, you know, his parents neglected him while he was at the pool when he was young. And I hate this character. I hate this character so much. <laughs> there's one There's one thing that I despise in movies, and I, I've, I've probably talked about this before, but I hate stereotypical nerdy geeky scaredy cats i cannot yeah. stand that it's just like they're just there just for the sake of like complaining and whining that they're scared and that they don't want to invent uh, you know go off into this adventure and they just want to stay home and they, they don't want to do anything because it's you know anything that is that they're not used to is scary it's like i hate characters like this because you can never root for them now there have been cases in which it's been done right i mean we've already i've already talked about mrs brisby from secret of nam and chucky from the rugrats movie and rugrats in paris yeah. but um, at least with, you know, Chucky, I mean, even though he is a scaredy cat and as a kid, I hated him, but at least they were able to give characters to build him up to, you know, not only being a scaredy cat, but eventually gaining his bravery. So that makes sense. Well, that's what I'm saying. He has a, he has a story arc when it, when it comes to him being a scaredy cat, he overcomes his scarediness. 
Exactly. He overcomes his scaredyness because of Tommy and because, uh, you know, he has, you know, Kira as a stepmom and Kimmy as a stepsister. So it does build up upon it. So yeah, character. So yeah, characters like Randy, I don't like at all. This is anyway for a lot of people. They actually hated me for choosing Nestor the Long Year Christmas Donkey as like my number one worst uh, Rankin Bass Christmas special. Well, there's a there are many reasons I already discussed about like the fact that it's a rehash of Rudolph the Red Nosed Ranger, and I think it's just boring and dull, and the the music sucks. But I just don't like Nestor. I, this is this, for the exact same reason. He's just a coward, and you know I. I felt that you know the, the the stuff that he went through was something that Rudolph went through, and it was done better in Rudolph. And I know a lot of people are gonna say like, oh, but what about the mother's death? It's like if that's the reason why people still remember it, and it's just you know for that reason alone, yeah. it's like. I mean, here's the thing. Why do people still remember Bambi's mom's death? Why do people still remember Simba's father's death? But nobody remembers the death of the, um, you know, Arlo's father from the good dinosaur. It's because the characters do start off cowardly, but then they build up to being much stronger characters as time goes on. They become more confident. They become more um, brave and they start learning their lessons and how to conquer their fears. So that's why I chose Nestor, because I felt that it was just kind of weak compared to Rudolph. And with Randy, I mean, there are a few moments where he was useful, like, you know, the scenes that we'll be talking about later. But, yeah, I just didn't like him. Uh, He could have been cut off from the movie and nothing would have changed. Okay, so then we go into the classroom where, you know, the teacher was asking about, like, you know, what is Moby Dick and why is it significant for today's audience? And then we have Dora answering the question perfectly where she was saying, like, Moby Dick is a whale. And the reason why is because it builds up the nostalgia of, like, conquering, you know, everything and, you know, colonialism and all that stuff. And everybody's just, like, looking at her. And the teacher was like, oh, I don't know who you are. Who are you? It's like, hi, I'm Dora and I'm Diego's cousin. And, I, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and Diego's, like, completely embarrassed. And Dora is still not getting a clue that everybody's laughing at her as opposed to laughing with her. Yeah, I know. I don't think it's till later on that she realizes the people um, aren't. Are making fun of her. You know? Yeah, I think that the, the I think the the moment where she realizes that was when the dance was going on. Exactly. Yeah, I was gonna just say that. Yeah. So um, basically, there's a school dance, and it, it's basically like come as your favorite star, and yeah. everybody is dressed up as a celebrity while Dora is dressed up as a sun because the sun is a star. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought that was actually pretty funny, by the way. You have the Gloria Estefan song playing in this in the scene, and then she starts dancing a whole bunch of animal poses, like you know, a peacock and an elephant. And then she's asking Diego to dance, and then everybody's like laughing at him, saying, "Yeah, Diego, dance with Dorka." Which I mean, yeah, I, I guess that's actually kind of clever, as opposed to Gaku or Giko, as they called yeah. Goku in Dragon Ball Evolution. Yeah, and so. Then, you know, finally Diego drags Dora outside and tells her that he is embarrassing her and that he is just um, so shocked that Dora is not understanding that everybody's laughing at her and that nobody likes her. And then we have the scene that actually was really touching, in my opinion, where she is in the closet and she's talking to her her grandmother saying, like, you know, um, 
you know, when I'm in the jungle by myself, I'm never lonely. But when I'm in school surrounded by people, I'm all alone. That's actually very touching because I've been through that so many times where, you know, everybody's saying everybody who would, you know, the people who I knew who would say, like, why are you in your room all the time? It's because I feel happy. I feel content. And I feel that, um, you know, I can be peaceful by myself. But when yeah. I'm surrounded by a bunch of people, I cannot talk to any of them because I have nothing to say to them and they don't have anything to say to me. So when I'm surrounded by a crowd of people, I feel the loneliest I would ever be in that situation. That's why I feel like they're, they're trying to connect with the kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Then the next scene we have is a class field trip to a museum and they're going through a scavenger hunt where they have to find like the oldest um, artifacts. And if they get to there first, then they could be able to get some extra points. So Dora sees a sign that says that there's an Egyptian exhibit that's going to be opening up real soon. And one of the um, museum moderators says that it's not going to be open till a few weeks, but she can take her down to the basement and show her which at first i didn't know where there was this was going because as somebody who used to work in a museum we were not allowed to do anything like that otherwise we would have been fired it does lead into a scene later on in which when you know dora randy sammy and diego go downstairs to look at the exhibits and then um you know then you know two people come on by and capture you know dora and then they suffer into the truck and put some sleeping uh, a sleeping gas on her and then you know th- next thing they know they're in the uh, the jungle again because yeah, um, yeah exactly so the reason why is because her parents had disappeared a few weeks ago they were really close to fighting parapara and they want to ask dora you know where is um, you know, where are, you know, where's Parapara? You know, you're going to lead us to there. And throughout the movie, we've been seeing her putting coordinates of where her parents' last locations were. Mm-hmm. And then we even have, uh, okay, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. So in addition to like the thugs that are in this movie, Swiper the Fox is in this. I was just, I was waiting for you to bring that up. <laughs> okay, oh, please. Why don't Why don't you talk about this? If you thought the CGI in the new Sonic movie looked bad, oh boy, <laughs> look at Swiper the Fox. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Now I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to give a reference to Swiper the Fox because you know he is the main antagonist of the series. But in this version, he is just a a, a lackey that's going to swipe the map from Dora because that contains the coordinates. He does not fit into this movie whatsoever. And his voice, his voice, they made him, his voice is too him, deep. They made him Puerto Rican when he was, he's supposed to be, a, they're supposed to be from Mexico. Dora's supposed to be Mexican character. So is Swiper. They made him Puerto Rican. He was the main bad guy. This film makes him more of a lackey. Yeah. Like, he does not fit in whatsoever to this environment. Now, I understand for Boots, but Boots barely, you know, Boots would show up from time to time. And, you know, he is a bit of a distracting point at times, but not that much. But Swiper is probably the worst part of this movie in terms of, like, it doesn't fit at all. And if you noticed in the beginning, he was in the dream sequence. Yeah, he was in the dream sequence, exactly. Oh, God, we'll get to the dream sequence. Real. 
and he's playing more for laughs for the rest of the movie. Yeah, exactly. He like he's he's barely in it. And yet he's supposed to be like one of the main antagonists. He's supposed to be the main antagonist of Dora the Explorer. And he's barely in this movie. Which I I kind of get since the original show was aimed more towards kids. That he'd be played for laughs. But even so, going into the movie, I wasn't expecting expecting to see him as a bad guy, you know. And it's just crazy, you know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so instead of being played by our buddy Mark Wiener from Wienerville, he does play the map in this version, but again, he's barely in it. He's instead played by Benicio del Toro, which, wow. I mean, like, he does not fit the character Swiper at all. I know. Oh, boy. Okay. <clears throat> Continuing on. So so we have a character who's never been in Dora the Explorer. His name is Alejandro. And he saves Dora and, you know, the, the other kids and saying, like, you know, I used to be a friend of your parents and we used to, you know, I, I work at the same university as them. I come to rescue you and, and all that stuff, which, you know, then, you know, that's when we have, you know, them wandering around in the jungle and, you know, trying to find the last places where, you know, Dora and her parents are. I mean, they, you know, they go around and they search throughout you know, parts of the jungle where they see like this red circle, which is supposed to be their insignia, which I wish that they would have played it a little bit better. Um, Like maybe it's something like more recognizable for a signal. Like I I know that it probably would have, I mean, like what what, what could be a, what would have been a proper signal for like uh, a signa for like Dora the Explorer that's not like a backpack or a map? Maybe the arrow. The arrow would have been so much better. You know the arrow that the, you know, when you click on, that the, you know, that the viewer, like, would click on because, you know, yeah. Door of the Explorer was a computer game. Yeah. And, you know, they would click on something. It's like, you know, can you point out to this direction? I wish it would have been the arrow. I don't even know what I would have even done, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's okay. Fair enough. Dora and the rest of the gang, they find the, the campsite that Dora's parents were last located at. And then they continue to search around and uh, they were really close to being captured by the thugs who want to capture her so that they can be able to, you know, force her to find, you know, para para. But, um, you know, they finally escaped. And then, uh, (laughs) oh, okay. Um, I I just want to. I mean, I don't know how I feel about this scene because this scene actually was in the trailers a lot where the, one of the first obstacles that they go through um, – well, no, 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 actually before that. So the, one of the obstacles that they go through is like these uh, arrows that, that are being shot everywhere and uh, it belongs to like some sort of um, ancient uh, guardian of Barabara because you, they couldn't actually see from the arrows um, insignia. And then we go over to the quicksand. So I don't have to talk about this quicksand scene, which it was all over the trailers. Yeah. It is kind of funny at first, you know, where they like are stepping into the quicksand and they're making a bunch of fart noises and they're making a whole bunch of jokes about that, which, okay, the that is pretty funny. chili con carne joke or something. Yeah, yeah, the chili con carne joke. Yeah, the, you know, the, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, like, the, I mean, I remember this joke had a bit of a mixed reaction is like it was either really funny for people who like that kind of humor but then people kind of hated it because that humor doesn't belong in a door of the explorer show yeah exactly <laughs> i mean how many fart jokes do you, do you remember from door of the explorer very None. <laughs> <laughs> anyway but 
beside that, I mean, okay, now, oh my God. Okay, now we need to get over to the the scene um, that a lot of people just seem to recall. Okay, let's get to the dream sequence. Like, oh, wow. yeah. When, uh, when they sniff the flowers or whatever. Yeah, so the spores of the flowers pop out, and then they go through this trippy animated segment where their heads start off, like, gigantic, like in the animated series, and then everything yeah. turns animated. So, wow, that scene was awesome. <laughs> it was very well animated. Yeah, yeah, like, and, and it even has, like, um, you know, references to old characters from the show. Tico mm-hmm. the Squirrel, Benny the Bull, Isa the Iguana, the troll who lives under the bridge. Which I think is perfect. That's where they belong is the dream sequence. I can't imagine if they were to make them live action for this movie. Yeah, like, I'm really glad that they had the dream sequence where they showcase those characters because... Um, Boots, I can understand being in this movie. Swiper, I can understand being in this movie. But the other characters, no. Like, I wouldn't have liked to have seen, like, a live-action version of, you know, Tico the Squirrel or, you know, Isa the Iguana or Benny the Bull or uh, the, you know, the slugs. See the bull? This big-ass bull just hanging around Dora? (laughs) Exactly. Like, what would a bull be doing around in Los Angeles? Yeah. Oh, that would be weird. But no, that anime sequence is awesome. It's actually probably the biggest highlight in the movie for me. Just like the fact that it comes out of nowhere. And it's like a trippy scene where, you know, we we get to like where um, Dora was reenacting something that happened early in the movie where she's jumping off, you know, like toward the other side of a cliff. And it was her and Diego jumping together and it was about teamwork and all that stuff. And then, you know, uh, finally, when she comes to, that's when um, both Sammy and Randy, you know, decide to rejoin the team because they were confronted by this old woman who promised that they were going to take them back into, you know, back, take them back into shore so that, you know, the, um, the police force could find them and help them out, which I actually have to give credit to this movie in terms of like, you know, that Sammy was the one who suggested, like, you know, instead of, like, you know, finding the parents when Alejandro suggested it, it's like, no, how about if we just call the police and tell them where we are, and then they can actually help us find Dora's parents, and then we could go find the treasure. It's like, I'm really glad that they actually brought up the self-awareness that, hey, call the police. That mm-hmm. actually makes so much perfect sense. So, yeah, I mean, like... If I mean, I have to say that Sammy was one of my favorite characters in this movie. Just the fact that she actually made a ton of sense. So continuing on. So after that trippy scene, uh, we then, you know, continue on where, uh, you know, Dora. more thing to say about the scene. My bad. Go ahead. You know what it reminded me of? Have you ever seen the Brady Bunch movie? Yeah, I have seen the Brady Bunch movie. You know, the Brady Bunch movie did a trippy scene like that, too to reference the Brady Bunch animated series with the bird and the, I think they had like a penguin or a polar bear or something. And they referenced all that. And it was a cool way the Brady Bunch movie did it kind of the same way as the Dora movie, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that does kind of make a lot of sense. Yeah. So I, I guess they were kind of like referencing that in a sense in which like, hey, you know, we have this, 
animated movie that we're going to turn into a live we have this animated series we're going to turn into a live action movie and we're just going to introduce a trippy scene that references that animated movie so i think that and i thought that that was actually pretty clever yeah i thought it was clever too all right well let's uh let's continue so uh yeah so basically uh what happens next is that they finally um decided that we're going to continue searching for para para and and then we have, um, you know, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So they find they found, you know, clues of Parapata and we have them falling into the actual temple. And there is this like this interesting mechanism where it, it kind of does play out like something you would see in Tomb Raider or Indiana Jones, where there's like this puzzle and they have to solve it so that they can be able to continue on to the next thing. So there's like these mechanisms that basically feature stars. And if they pull, uh, you know, the stars, like the constellations, then they can be able to open the doors. And so basically there's like this amount of like all the water starts pouring out. And then this is the probably like the only um, useful thing that randy does in this movie where he held his breath long enough so that they can be able to open up the aqueduct and they can be able to slide out without being without drowning and so finally we have doris parents coming along and they then alejandro reports to his um his superior saying that he captured them which alejandro's the bad guy oh shock shock surprise ah it was pretty obvious which, I mean, he actually admitted it earlier in the movie when they were saving him from the quicksand and he was crying, saying, like, I'm a bad guy. I'm a bad guy. He admitted that he was a bad guy. Yeah. And then Dora was like, no, no, you're not a bad guy. But he was the bad guy, which I thought that that was pretty clever. And then we, again, Alejandro gets, you know, has a complete 180 where now he's acting mean towards everybody and he's like getting sick and tired of all the optimism, which is actually pretty clever because you have to understand that, you know, movies like this where they're very self-aware, you always have the optimistic person surrounded by cynical people. I mean, that's basically what the joke is, is that people are too cynical and they need to lighten up a bit or people are too optimistic and they need to get back to planet Earth. So, you know, whether, you know, whatever person you are, I I guess it applies to them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, again, this is reminding me a lot of the the Jungle movie where they have that same sort of twist of the the guy being uh, the bad guy in the end, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, it does definitely remind me of that where Eduardo was revealed to be La Sombra. Yeah. yeah. So then finally, um, we go over to the main doorway of Parapata and uh, there, then, um, you know, Dora uh, gets an idea of releasing a poisonous yellow frog so that they can be able to stun both swiper and the and one of the henchmen so that they can be able to go inside and then it again very similar to the aqueduct scene it plays off very similar to like a tomb raider or indiana jones movie where they have puzzles more with constellations and they were were able to figure out the puzzle and then they're able to answer this like one last piece involving with like you know what do the incas treasure the most and then 
um, Alejandro, you know, f- follow them saying like, you know, I knew that I would be fall. I knew to follow you because Dora, Miss Marty Pants, Miss Know-It-All would fall, would know all the answers to the puzzles. And, you know, because of that, I was able to walk by and follow her. And now she's led me to Parapata. And then he believes that he knows the answer to the que- the riddle, which is what do the Incas treasure the most? And he thinks it's gold because that's where they put their gods in and that's what they collected the most of. And then when he puts the gold coin into the statue, the floor breaks apart and Dora says, like, I knew that you would be following me and I knew that you would take advantage of me knowing everything to solve the puzzles. But the difference yeah. is that I'm in this side and you're in this side and the floor almost breaks apart where he was about to fall into lava. Yeah. And then the and, and then the ancient guardians of Parapata come on by and then they get to, you know, Dora and her parents. And then we have the scene in which when, you know, they're speaking the ancient, um, per, you know, Peruvian language, which is an actual language, by the way. It's yeah. an Yeah. So... Um, you know, Dora's the only one who can speak it. And then, you know, she says that I can solve this puzzle because I know what the answer is. And the answer turns out to be water. The, you know, the, that's what the Incas treasure the most is water. And so she pours water into the statue and the actual Parapata is um, revealed and the golden monkey statue is showcased. And then, of course, Swiper has to come along and ruin it by yeah. stealing the golden monkey. And then the Parapata starts breaking apart. However, unlike in like Indiana Jones or Tomb Raider or even like the 90s mummy movie in which like, oh, they don't get to... You know, the whole city is destroyed and they can never go back to it. Instead, however, you know, Dora gets the statue. She runs back into the, you know, the, the destruction of Parapata. Yeah. She places the monkey inside of a pillar and the destruction is gone, which is like, I never actually seen that before. That's actually pretty interesting. Yeah. New concept. And so finally, you know, everything is back to normal and, you know, the, the you know, Barabata was discovered. And we even had this scene earlier in the movie where um, Dora's father was talking about the difference between explorers and treasure hunters, where, you know, you know, the journey is what the explorers um, main reward is, while treasure hunters simply want to, you know, look for the thing so that they can be able to capture it and make it make themselves rich. So. Yeah. Basically, the journey was, you know, the reward in the end. And then finally, we come to the closure where, oh, oh, before we get to this. Okay. So right before, you know, this was like, uh, so right before the scene where, you know, Dora is going to Barapata with her friends. And then she feels at her lowest point where she feels like, you know, they're going to kill us. What do we do? Boots talks with Danny Trejo's voice. Danny Trejo's voice. Yeah. Like what? And I can't tell like, if that's supposed to be really him talking or if that's supposed to be like a she's going crazy kind of thing. For example, we did see that Dora actually did hit her head. So maybe yeah. that's what happens. But still, I mean, like, I just can't believe that they would actually pull that off with Boo sounding like Danny Trejo. Well, I knew he was going to be voiced by Danny Trejo. I mean, that was like a, one of the big jokes when you see, when you look at the cast list. But, you know, I didn't really expect him to, like, actually voice Boots, you know what I mean? Like, like talking. 
So when that was yeah, that, exactly. that kind of pulled me like as a shit surprise, you know. Just like, oh my god, like that that was just like shocking to me. Mm-hmm. I, I had no idea what to think of it. All right, so finally this the movie ends with, you know, Doris' parents going back into their home and they're talking about like, you know, we're all going to go into this uh, big journey towards this, uh, you know, new mission and we want you to come with us, Dora. And then she's like, you know, I'm going to stay at school and I'm going to make my, I'm going to, you know, stay with my friends and, you know, and Sammy and uh, Diego are a thing now, which, okay, sure. And yeah, I mean that's how it ends. And then, uh, then first, then it has like this Bollywood like ending where everybody is singing and dancing, which I thought that that was like a perfect way to end the movie because it's so over the top. Yeah, very so, cheesy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, overall, I was very surprised with this movie. I didn't expect for me to like it the way I did. I thought that this movie was going to suck, but no. Out of the, the four movies that came out. You know, from Nickelodeon in 2019, uh, Rocko's Modern Life, Static Claim, Invaders and Mentor the Florpus, the Are You Afraid of the Dark movie, and this one. All of them were, like, home runs. Each and every single one of them worked in their own individual ways. Rocko's Modern Life told this great lesson about, like, accepting change. Uh, Invaders and Mentor the Florpus continued on with the series that everybody has been wanting to see for 15 years. The Are You Afraid of the Dark movie was able to revitalize a classic anthology series by putting in some new elements into it. And During the Lost City of Gold was able to make fun of itself while at the same time, you know, create um, a movie that had great jokes and pretty um, interesting twists into the series. So I love the Dora movie. You know, and, uh, the, the thing about the Dora movie is it, it shocked me with how much comedy there was because the trailers made it seem like it was going to be one of those, you know, like early 2000s kids movies that could have been straight to DVD that really had nothing to do with the source material kind of thing. Where this reminds me of those 90s movies that are almost borderline parody, but they stick so much to the source material where they make fun of it in a way. And they just have fun yeah. with the whole concept. And that really shocked me. I didn't expect it. That That's part of the, the charm of why I love it, you know? Yeah, exactly. So for anybody who, you know, first read the um, the concept of Dora, the Lost City of Gold, or saw one of the earlier trailers and you thought, ah, oh, this is going to suck, it's not. I would suggest that you watch the movie and see for yourself, and you'll be surprised on what it delivers. All right, well, that should be the end of this podcast. So Remington, once again, thank you so much for coming on by. I really do appreciate it. No problem. And probably the next podcast, we'll have to talk about the SpongeBob musical. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, there's there's actually one more thing that did come out on TV in 2019, didn't it? Yeah, the 2016 SpongeBob Broadway musical did air on, did have a TV debut. And I guess we will have to talk about it at some point for sure. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Do you have anything to plug and self-promote, uh, Remington? Um. Nerd Talk Podcast. It's on iTunes currently. Check it out. We're on on all podcast platforms that you can find. And uh, follow me on Twitter at King Rem- uh, King Rem- Yeah, King Rem Dog. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, 
that should be it, everybody. Uh, let us know in the comments below about uh, if you saw Dora, the Lost City of Gold. What were your favorite moments? Who were your favorite characters? Were you generally surprised about how it turned out? Um, how do you think it compares to Dora the Explorer? Would you like to see a sequel? Which I, I don't know if there should be a sequel, to be quite honest. I think when it was I, enough. I, 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 th I think you could do a sequel if you just went over completely over the top. You have to go... You have to go slightly more over the top than you did with this one if you do do a sequel. But I think it, okay, I, yeah. think, I think it could work. Almost like a sponge out of water situation. Just go just go over the top, you know? All right. So that's it, everybody. Hope to see you around soon, and take care.